just share something about prayer? Yeah, please. Um, I've got one brother, Kevin, who lives in Kent. Um, so we chat on the phone more than we see each other. He's not a believer. But he obviously has some sort of faith because when something's not quite right, um, for instance, his daughter was born here a while ago, and he contacted <coughs> and said, oh, will you pray for Holly? Because of this, this, and this. Um, and so I said, yes, of course. And I said, you could pray as well. He said, oh yeah, I will, I will. <laughs> but then last weekend, he uh, he's a car mechanic. He's been a self-employed car mechanic all his life. He's 65 at the moment. Um, and obviously, crawling around under cars and bending over an engine most of his life. He's got some health issues, bad back, bad hip, but his main concern has been a bad shoulder. Mm. Well, I spoke to him before last weekend and he was going on Sunday morning for an MRI. And after I'd spoken to him, I thought I feel so guilty because I hadn't actually prayed for him about his shoulder at all. I'd not prayed, not one word, I don't think. I, I might have just mentioned it casually, but not, not really thought about praying seriously. Anyway, so naturally for a few nights I did pray about it. And then I spoke to him in the week. I think he phoned up to see how Eddie was getting on. And he said to me, he said, you know, I went for that MRI, he said, on Sunday. He said, well, I couldn't believe it, he said, but, you know, it's been so bad all this time. He said, and the consultant wants me to have the MRI and then see him to determine what can be done or what is actually wrong. <laughs> and he said, I feel better. <laughs> he said, I thought, oh, goodness, it's gone away and I'm going to have a... And then I'm right. And for a couple of days, he just couldn't believe that he was free of this pain. Well, mm. I was, I said, well, and I told him, I felt guilty. I'd not prayed for you, Kevin. I said, but I did pray for you, and, and that's what's happened. Come on. And he said, oh, well, that's amazing. He said, that's amazing. So yeah. I was really pleased to be able to confess to him that. This is the power of prayer. Yeah. Amen. And, and so I'm just praying constantly now that, and I said to him, if it starts to come back, you need to rebuke it. You need to pray more and just pray that it's not coming back. Your yeah. Healed you, and that's it. Mm. So, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. That, that's why we're doing this series. Because yeah. I believe that part of what the season we're coming into, mm. the church in the West particularly, is we need to rely more on the power of God than on our strategies and on our thoughts and on what we think we can accomplish. And prayer is key to that. But also knowing what God has made available is key to that. And I think we're going to hear more of these sorts of stories. If we can be bold enough, if we can have the courage and the humility to fess up when we don't pray, that's beautiful, Brenda. But also to... Talk to someone who doesn't know Jesus yet and say, well, I, I don't know what you believe, but I believe in God and I'm going to talk to him about you and ask him to help you. It takes a bit of courage, but I think God's going to anoint that and bring more and more stories like that. That's amazing. Well, I've felt for the last six months 
then that's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So we're going into a, a season. Amen. But, you know, we say, oh, well, I'll pray for that, but it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And I'll pray for that, but it didn't happen. Why well, didn't that happen? But you see, <coughs> prayer is perseverance. Yeah. When you pray, you should have perseverance. Because sometimes he says no. Mm -hmm. You know, this time. But not at this time. I feel that now is the time for us to stand out mm -hmm. and say, I will pray for you. Amen. If someone says, Oh, I don't feel very well, I will pray for you. But we never do. Yeah. We always think to ourselves, Well, okay, in my little time, I'll pray for you. Mm. But we don't say to that person, I will pray for you. And the book that we're both reading, I haven't read it for, must have been two months. Mm. I picked it up last week and right in the centre of it, it says, pray. Yeah. We have seen tremendous things. You know, you know what's in there. Yeah, do. There was... They went out to talk to kids mm. in the street and they're all mucking about and saying, oh, it's a load of rubbish, you know, why are you wearing glasses and hearing aid and why can't you <laughs> pray for yourself and all, everything else? But God had given the presence of who and what was wrong with them. Yeah. And in the end, they all were, they were coming from everywhere. To be prayed for. Absolutely. And I feel that that's, that's what we lack. Mm -hmm. We lack that confidence that God is a healing God. Yeah. yeah. And He heals today. Mm. He does. So I feel like what, what we've got to go through this morning is actually going to help us on that. Yeah. It's going to help us on that path. Um, before I do, I want to correct something I said last week. I listened back to it because I do that sometimes because I like torturing myself. Um, and I realised I said something. Something slipped out of my mouth that I don't actually believe. Um, I said, if someone had just gone sharing the gospel with those teenagers, what would have happened? Would have been ridicule. What, what I'm worried about is that people could have heard that and thought, well, mm, oh yeah, I suppose just speaking isn't powerful enough. There is power in the gospel. Amen. 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 Paul says in Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. And actually there is power in just sharing the gospel with people. Yes. Jesus calls it the seed. It's the seed of the kingdom that you throw out. So it isn't that we can't just go out and start sharing people, Jesus with people, and that's just going to invite ridicule. However, in 1 Thessalonians 1, Paul also says this, our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and in full assurance. Amen. We don't have to make a choice. 
There is power in the gospel spoken and there is power available to open up hearts and minds through signs, wonders, healing, the presence of God hitting the streets. We don't have to make a choice, but I just wanted to make sure that I hadn't said something I don't actually believe. There is power in the gospel. And I think that's part of the confidence we need to recover as well. Now, this week, we are going to be talking about, as Becky's given us a hint, going to be talking about the gift of tongues. Uh, Brenda, could you read uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 25, please? Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you, unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction, even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the flute or harp? How will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet doesn't sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and he is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. If you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say amen to your thanksgiving? since he doesn't know what you're saying. You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, stop thinking like children in regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law it is written, through men of strange tongues and through the lips of foreigners I will speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. 
So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, and some who do not understand, or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or someone who doesn't understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all, and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare, so he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Amen. Thanks, Brenda. <laughs> Meant to be. So today we're going to be talking mostly about tongues and interpretation. There, is, there are bits in that passage about the gift of prophecy, uh, and we're going to talk a bit about it. But next week uh, we've got uh, a guy called Ian Hodgson from Basingstoke, Mosaic Church Basingstoke. He's quite a prophetic guy coming to share about how he operates in the prophetic and actually how we can all operate in the prophetic. So uh, I'm not going to impinge too much on the prophetic today. I want to focus on the gift of tongues because it's one of those gifts I think that a lot of people misunderstand in different ways. Some people make it everything. Other people make it basically nothing. But the truth, the Bible truth, the truth as Paul writes it, is somewhere in between those two extremes. First of all, what is the gift of tongues? Well, I am with David Pawson here. Tongues is a horrible translation. It's a horrible translation. In modern day English, it doesn't mean what it meant when they first translated it into tongues in the 17th century. In Portuguese, you will, it will still say linguas, which if you translate it literally is tongues, but in Portuguese, linguas still means languages. But in English, Languages is a much better translation. Tongues makes you think of someone. No, it is languages. It is the God-given ability to speak in a language that you have not learned. It's not babbling or nonsense, although you're not going to understand it in and of yourself. But it will have syntax. It will have a cadence to it. It will have the rules of language in it. Uh, there's a book by John Sherrill called They Speak in Other Tongues. And he got recordings of Pentecostal meetings, people speaking in tongues, and got linguists to listen to it. And the linguists made comments like, I don't know what the words are, but that sounds like poetry. You've got the rhythms of poetry. You've got repeated phrases like poetry. And six different people speaking in tongues, they spent an hour listening to it. And to a one, they said, I don't know what language it is, but that is language. Two people were recorded trying to mimic tongues without the power of the Holy Spirit. And it did not fool the linguist one little bit. They're like, no, that's just nonsense. It's just utter garbage. Those are not languages. So the gift of tongues is the gift of speaking a language that you have not learned. Generally speaking, Eddie? Can I just say, hmm. um, the Cox family, here, um, we were in family church at the time, and people, their daughter-in-law, their, their mother is Hindu, and their father is a Punjabi, mm -hmm. right? And <laughs> one day, I bought this tongue. And I've always thought it must be a language. Mm. Must be 
she went forward and she said, I was talking to my husband and he said he was speaking because I could understand something, but some of the words I couldn't understand. And she said, he interpreted part of it and she interpreted the next. Mm -hmm. She went forward and said what I'd said yeah. in Punjabi and Hindi. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. There's no way that I know those languages. No. But that is what languages are, you know, because when I first, I didn't believe in tongues. And it was a pastor who said to me, you can't believe in tongues unless you open your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> he said, because your mind receives mm. and tells you there's a load of rubbish. Yep. But your heart tells you, I want this told. Yeah. But God gives you that language, and it may be Spanish one day, mm -hmm. German another day, yep. another language. And I love tongues because it my my precious thing mm -hmm. is God. Yeah. Because I know He understands it, but I don't. Yeah. My spirit understands it, and I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it is a special language for me, and God gives you that special language. Yeah, He does. Sorry. No, not at all. That's how I've always lived it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I was going to mention stories of other people, but we don't need them. <laughs> we don't need them. No, you're all right. I'd much rather have a story in the room, actually. They are, they are actual languages. They might be angelic languages, if we take 1 Corinthians 13, 1 seriously. You know, I don't think Paul is just being a bit hyperbolic about... I could speak in the tongues of men and of angels. I think it's a genuine possibility. But they, it is languages. It's not tongues. It's languages. They are intelligible to someone somewhere. One of the things that tongues is, is it's an evidence that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on someone. It's not the only evidence, but it is an evidence that testifies, yes, God has poured out his spirit upon me. Uh, in verse 2, we can see tongues is directed at God. Tongues is prayer to God. The one who speaks in a tongue, speaking not to people, but to God. That means it's different from prophecy, which is God speaking to people. Tongues is people speaking to God. Prophecy is God responding. God speaking back. One of the things that tongues does, it builds us up and strengthens us. Verse 4, the person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, Paul says. Now, some people that I've heard suggest that that isn't meant entirely positively. Funnily enough, they tend to be the people that don't believe the gifts of the Spirit for today, and so they've got to explain it away. But they say things like, well, yeah, but Paul's really saying that you shouldn't be trying to build yourself up. You should be trying to build the church up. Religion loves a false dichotomy. Religion loves to make us make choices that we don't have to make because we can build up the church and we can build ourselves up. Amen?
tongues is one way that we can learn what King David knew, which is how to strengthen himself in the Lord. And I think tongues is a little bit of a gateway gift. Not gateway the church on the other side of town, not gateway the church in Basingstoke or Paul that I know of. No, it's a bit of a gateway gift in that by adopting the use of tongues, it can lead into other gifts like prophecy and healing and discernment of spirits and signs and wonders and faith. It isn't the only gateway gift. You don't have to speak in tongues to move in those other ones, but I find that generally speaking, the more I speak in tongues, the richer my insight gets. The more I speak in tongues, the more ready I am to share something that feels a little bit outlandish. But God has said it. Verse 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. A bit like Eddie was just saying. The gift of tongues bypasses your mind. Yeah? Our minds remain disengaged when we're praying in tongues. What is happening is as you speak, the Holy Spirit is actually putting the words right in your lips and on your tongue. We can think about other things and do other things when praying. David Pawson says it's the safest form of prayer when driving. Because you can drive around praying in tongues and still focus on what's going on around you because it doesn't engage your mind. Now, some would say, well, that just confirms it. Tongues is of lesser value. Because if it doesn't go through your mind, how can it do you good? Well, that's because there is an unseen realm that goes beyond what we can see, feel, taste, touch, sense. That is just as real, actually probably more real than this that I can feel in my hands right now. And tongues helps us operate and access in that realm. Paul doesn't share that view. He says, tells us that praying in tongues benefits us spiritually. And we can use that gift, actually, when we don't know what to pray for. If you don't know how to pray for someone, you can pray in tongues and know that God is giving you the perfect prayer for that situation. But, follows up with verse 15. I will pray with the Spirit and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing praise with the Spirit and I will also sing praise with my understanding. You see, we need both. Again, religion wants us to say it's one or the other, but we need both. We can pray in tongues with our spirits or, and we can pray with our understanding. We need both to avoid teetering off on either direction, to grow up in the way that God wants us to grow up. In verse five, Paul says, I wish that all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Now, some people look at the back end of 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul rhetorically asks, do all speak in tongues, to conclude that, well, not everyone's gonna speak in tongues. How does that tally with Paul saying, I wish you all spoke in tongues? He's not going to contradict himself in the space of about three, four, five paragraphs, is he? He's too good for that. I think what's going on there is at the back end of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is talking about what you do within the church. Not everyone is going to share a tongue in a church meeting. Not everyone is going to bring an interpretation in a church meeting. Anyone can, but not everyone will. But what Paul is talking about here is actually tongues 
more for your personal devotion, a bit like Eddie's already shared, for engaging with God on your own. So I do believe that this is a gift that is open to everyone. I do believe every single person in this room right now could speak in tongues if they believe in Jesus, if they've been filled with the Holy Spirit and if they want it. That's all you need. Prophecy is better. Paul admits it, yeah? I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. I was, there was a conference I went to when I was just started at university where there was a bit of a call for who wants to start moving in the gift of tongues. And there was one guy who must have come from a, a slightly different church background because he was just, no, I'm not, I'm not bothered about tongues. I, I want the greater gifts like prophecy and teaching. He was really focused on teaching. Teaching's better than tongues. Teaching's different to tongues. Teaching is more benefit to the church, maybe, but tongues is not nothing. Tongues will bless you because it strengthens you, but it is more for personal private. See, tongues does not benefit you. If I stand here and start going, unless I interpret, you're not going to benefit. To interpret it, I actually think I was just saying, you know, God is amazing. And I'm telling you that right now. God, you're amazing. God is amazing. But you didn't understand it until interpretation came. This is true of prayer in our native language as well. I could stand here and go, Senhor, tu és maravilhoso. Tua graça me basta. Eu tenho fé, Senhor, que tu vai me ajudar em tudo que eu preciso. Amen? There's two people in this room that can say amen. I was using my mind because I was speaking Portuguese. I've been in situations where, uh, on a Christian camp, uh, there was quite a large Welsh contingent and there was a young girl, uh, probably, well, probably only about a year younger than I was at the time, but she started praying out in Welsh. Now, I couldn't say an amen because I didn't know what she was saying. But there were other Welsh speakers there who were moved, partly because they understood it, but partly because actually that girl had never prayed out before in any sort of public context. But the broader people couldn't be blessed by it unless someone told us what she'd just prayed about. And it's the same with tongues. Paul, in uh, verses 21 to 23, he's a bit more... Um, Critical, maybe a bit more cautious, not critical. He says, it's written in the law, I will speak to this people by people of other tongues and by the lips of foreigners. And even then they will not listen to me. Speaking in tongues then is intended as a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church assembles together and all are speaking in tongues and people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? See, there is a sense where if people come in and they are not in the faith, they don't know Jesus yet, but they're interested enough to come in and they see us all just speaking in tongues all together, what does that communicate? It says, I'm not in. I'm not in the in club. I can't do what they're doing. They might even conclude that we're off our rockers, frankly. <laughs> and they don't want any part of it. 
But if someone brings a tongue and an interpretation, they can benefit. Verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now this was Corinth. Corinth did a lot of tongue speaking. It was their spiritual badge. I speak in tongues. That means God loves me. Forget about how I live the rest of my life because I'm a <laughs> very, very carnal person in the rest of my life. But look, I speak in tongues. I speak in tongues more than all of you, Paul says. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. See, Paul's point is that the aim of gathering as a church is more about encouraging one another than it is about being encouraged myself. Yes, you can pray in tongues when you come into church and you will be blessing yourself and encouraging yourself and stirring yourself up, but it won't bless other people in and of itself. And that's not what the church gathering is for. In verse 12, he says, no, sorry, before that, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words intelligibly than 5,000 in a tongue. So where is he doing all this tongue speaking? Where is he doing it? It's in his own time with the Lord. It's in his own devotions. And that is where we can speak in tongues to our heart's content. And yeah, Paul's point is that we, get, we gather to encourage one another. Verse 12, you also then, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. That is our aim when we get together. I don't come just thinking of receiving for myself. I come looking for who can I bless? Who can I encourage? What does God want to say to so-and-so, to so-and-so, to so-and-so? We come thinking about desiring and seeking the gifts that will most encourage and build up the body of Christ. Now that is not to say that there is no place to come when you are discouraged, when the week has been hard and you just need a touch from God. That doesn't mean that church is not the place for you. That is exactly the place for you because this week it is your turn to be encouraged. Next week when you're better, you can encourage someone else. But this week, it is your turn to receive from your brothers and sisters through the moving of the Holy Spirit. Because that's the beauty of the body of Christ. I'm uncomfortable right now. I'm not. But if I'm uncomfortable right now, you who have known discomfort can comfort me in the way that God comforted you. And there is this two-way street to the way all of this works. So tongues is brilliant. I speak in tongues lots. There was one time at uni when I had a worship CD on and my hand was in the air and I was entering into worship and I started speaking in tongues and I forgot that my door was open. And I come to and my flatmate is there going, what are you doing? <laughs> he probably thought I was off my rocker. I should have been more careful with exercising my freedom in Christ in a way that wasn't gonna put people off or think that the faith is something weird. Because this isn't weird, it isn't. This is part of the foolishness of God being wiser than the wisdom of the world. It feels foolish to the world. It's got logic to it when you realize that it is just part of us being children of God, speaking to our dad in a language that only he understands. So that's tongues. 
What about interpretation of tongues? Verse 13, therefore the person who speaks in a tongue should pray that he can interpret. Now one way that the gift of tongues can benefit the church is when you pair it with an interpretation. Now that might be like Eddie, because someone there actually knows the language and is able to confirm that is what you were saying. I've heard other stories where um, someone was told that, you know, you're speaking in Urdu and they knew that they worked with a doctor from Pakistan who also spoke Urdu. So they went to him and repeated what the Holy Spirit gave and said, oh, you're talking about seeing your father. <laughs> yeah. But with interpretation, tongues gets turned around and can then bless the rest of the church as well as you. Paul encourages the public use of tongues when it's known that an interpreter is present. And if there isn't someone that you know can interpret, pray that you can interpret yourself, is what Paul's saying. And what happens with interpretation is when someone takes what's been prayed or sung sometimes in tongues and makes it understandable to everyone else in the meeting. For unbelievers, it becomes understandable and communicates not welcome, not exclusion, but welcome. Now, interpretation sometimes happens like this, or what people think is interpretation. Someone speaks in tongues, and then all of a sudden someone says, the Lord says that you are to step out in faith. That wasn't an interpretation. That was prophetic. That was a prophetic call to arms. Interpretation should sound like prayer or praise because of what Paul says in verse two. The one who speaks in a tongue is speaking not to men, but to God. And so the interpretation should be directed at God. Now, in my experience, what often happens is tongues stirs up the prophetic. It provokes the prophetic person and it's like, oh, okay, that's what God's doing. And rather than wait for the interpretation, the overeager prophetic person jumps in and goes, this is what God is saying, but it's a little bit out of order. It's better to wait for the interpretation and then say, as my brother was speaking, this is what I felt God stirring. Now this can feel a bit fastidious maybe, but Paul says everything should be done decently and in order so that people can be blessed and encouraged. There is power, but power does not mean chaos and disorder. What also sometimes happens is that someone is getting the interpretation but mishears it as prophetic. For example, as someone is speaking, you get the sense of, or the phrase starts going through your mind, God is a rock and a firm foundation. And so you bring it as a prophecy, when actually, if you just pivot it and turn it around to saying, God, you are my rock, my firm foundation, then it's an interpretation. Sometimes it's just an interpretation that isn't quite delivered rightly. But it is important that it sounds like prayer or praise, because that's what tongues is but it is not translation. It's not word for word necessarily, unless you've got someone like um, Eddie had where they know the language. But the spiritual gift of interpretation is a sense of this is what God is saying. This is what Eddie has just said. This is what Roger has just said. It's a interpretation, not a translation. It can be teamwork as well. I remember one time on a Sunday morning where um, 
someone brought a tongue. This was in uh, one of the churches I was in, in Basingstoke. And I knew that I had some of it. Before I have a chance to speak up, a lovely lady named Patricia on the other side of the room speaks up and brings something. I'm like, yes, that's the other bit. I didn't have that bit. And so I then bring my bit and I just won't go over to her at the end because I don't want her to think that I was trying to correct her. And I said, Patricia, you, I just want you to know what you had was spot on. You had the bit that I didn't have. I just felt like I had the other bit. And she said, oh yeah, no, I knew I didn't have all of it. There is teamwork in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, I think actually most of the time, no individual one of us gets the whole picture. So if someone brings an interpretation but you still think you had some of it, bring it anyway. You probably do. Tongues plus interpretation builds up the body of Christ. We had a bit of it yesterday at a commission leaders event that we were at. Someone came and brought a tongue and then someone came and brought an interpretation. And when you have the interpretation, you can go, amen, God is amazing. It is wonderful to have the two. Now, if you've never spoken in tongues, if you've never brought an interpretation, how can you get started? We're going to make space a bit later on when Phil comes to worship, to lead us in worship. For those who want to get going, who haven't spoken in tongues before, to be prayed for and to kind of start moving in that gift. But how do you do it? Well, first of all, forget any tricks and techniques and tips. Don't... There are people that just do things like, think about the word banana, spell it backwards, and say that. And that's the gift of tongues. Hallelujah! No. Saying ananab is not the gift of tongues. It's just bananas backwards. And if you try and follow that way, you will go bananas. That is not the gift of tongues. What happens, though, is you need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And if you want that gift of tongues... Sorry, I'm getting very close to Phil's guitar. Sorry, mate. I'll move over here. If you want that gift of tongues, you say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me and give me that gift? Now, the next mistake people make is they then stand there like this. Just trying to work out how long I can go on for before people feel uncomfortable. They ask... And then they stand hands out, mouth clamped shut. That isn't how tongues works. Because what you're expecting is that the Holy Spirit is going to almost reach into your mouth, yank it out and start blah, 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 blah. No, that isn't how it works. If you look in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2 verse 4, Luke says, they spoke other languages as the Holy Spirit enabled them. They spoke as the Holy Spirit enabled them. I have seen people visibly filling up with the Holy Spirit, people that have struggled with the gift of tongues for decades, always wanted it, never felt like God's given it. So I went and prayed for this lady and I could, you could just see the Holy Spirit was filling her up. Her demeanor was changing. There was a peace that was coming over her. And I was saying, I'm not going to say a name. You need to just speak. The Holy Spirit is filling you up, but you need to speak. God isn't going to do it for you. 
The speaking is you speaking out in faith, trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to give you the right words. Not trying to fill it up with your understanding, but trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to do what only he can do. And I would love to say that she spoke out. She didn't. She didn't speak out. She could have had that gift in that moment. But she didn't. She chose not to, for whatever reason. Fear. And actually, I think for her, it was fear of not wanting to make it up. If I, just, if I choose to speak, then that's just me, right? How is that the Holy Spirit? Terry Virgo tells it like this. He first started, he was prayed for by a bunch of Pentecostals. He starts speaking in tongues, a couple of words, and he kind of clams up. And then someone just says to him, God, you're very clever making all this up, aren't you? And then he realises, hang on, no, that, came, that didn't come from me. That did come from God. And he stepped into it again and started speaking. And the, the analogy he uses is the oil, the widow that Elisha goes to. And if you remember, there, she only has a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. And Elijah's, Elijah or Elisha, I can't remember which, says, please make me some bread. And it's like, I've only got this. It's like, Trust me, as long as I'm with you, you will not run out. And so they stay with that lady for a few months, I think, if I remember rightly. And that one jar of oil and that one effer of flour does not run out. Now, there was nothing miraculous about the oil. It was normal oil. It was normal flour. What was miraculous was the continuous supply. And it's a little bit like that with tongues. It doesn't in the moment necessarily feel miraculous. What's miraculous is the supply that doesn't dry up. So if you want to move in the gift of tongues, if you never have, I believe this morning you can. And we want to pray for you and make room for you to receive and operate in that gift. All it takes is asking, receiving from the Holy Spirit, and having a bit of courage to speak out, trusting that it is going to be what God promises to give you. Speaking out in faith. When when Dave got baptised in the Spirit, I was very jealous at the time. I didn't have it, but later on, it never broke me. And I still just, you know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Not always that time, but it got to use you later. Absolutely. Yeah. Not receiving previously does not discount you today. You can receive today. Can receive any time. Any time, absolutely. Yeah, good shout. You know, I've prayed for many, many times for tongues and nothing seems to happen. And then they come up to you a week later and say, oh, down the beach and then all of a sudden I started talking. Yeah. I think Phil's story is very similar. Go for it. Yeah. Um, Apologies to anyone who's heard this before, but um, so I, I struggled all through my teen years with seeing all my friends speaking in tongues and not being able to myself. Um, and it was the last ever Stanley Bible week. Um, and I was 17 and I was actually helping out in the 12 to 13s group. Um, and someone came and gave a preach, kind of similar to, to John's preach here, and it was about getting filled with the Holy Spirit and about speaking in tongues. And at the end of the meeting, they said to the young people, come forward, you want to pray for yourself, and I went forward. And they went, right, help us, you need to come and pray for them. I'm thinking, I've not got it 
myself. But kind of got bullied into it. So then when laid hands on this kid who was like 12 or 13, and then of course they start speaking in tongues. Oh God, what's going on here? Like, can't do it myself. But then it was, that meeting sort of finished about half nine, ten o'clock, and I was then, where I was camping, it was on the far edges of the campsite and service site. It was about a half hour walk back, and I was walking across in the dark, and just felt God say, just do it, you can. And so I was walking in the dark on my own in the middle of this campsite, and just started praying out, praising out in tongues. Mm. And actually it wasn't in the moment of that meeting, it was actually God just came and met me one on one, where I was at. Yeah. Absolutely. What I don't want there to be is any sense of pressure. Yeah. If you if you want it, then we can pray for you today. But it doesn't have to be here and now. You're not a performing monkey. If you were a performing monkey, you'd just say Ananab and get it done with. <laughs> no. If you want it, we can pray for you. But you can go and do it in the privacy of your room. That's where you're going to be doing it most of your life anyway. Um, I just wanted to give a couple of tips about interpretation as well, and then Phil and lead us in a few songs. Uh, interpretation. All I'm going to say is pay attention to what happens inside you when someone is speaking in tongues. Nothing more than that. You might find yourself thinking about how grateful you are to God for something. You might find yourself feeling desperation or fear followed by relief. You might find some words start running through your head. And all of these things could be the interpretation of what was being said. You know, if you find yourself filled with an, an amazement or gratitude for how God has done something amazing, well, then that tongue is probably someone being thankful to God. And you've got that bit of that interpretation. If you're feeling fearful and then relief, it might be that that person's had a really difficult week and they've not known how to get through it. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, they can see a way ahead now. In which case, the interpretation might be something like, Lord, I was lost, I was anxious, I didn't know what to do, but you've shown me the way, and you're amazing. It's not spooky, just pay attention to what is going on inside of your mind and your heart as someone speaks in tongues, and that might be the interpretation. Give it a go. Share it. Sometimes I've got a general sense of what is being said, and actually I just need to take that step of faith to start speaking, and I find then God fills up my brain with the rest of it. But you just have to take that step of faith. Phil, do you want to come? Tongues and interpretation is a gift from God. Amen? People try and diminish it. People try and act like it's odd and different. But if God gave it to us, do you know what? We need it. And my encouragement to you today is if you would like to get moving in that gift if you haven't ever done before, or maybe you have before and you've let it fall to the wayside. Jackie Pullinger was filled with the spirit, didn't find any value in gift of tongues, so she gave it up. And then an American missionary said, that's very ungrateful of you. You need to reactivate that. And so she would pray in tongues 15 minutes by the clock every day. And after six weeks, she started to notice that fruit she hadn't had before in people coming to faith, she started to have. Because actually what God was doing was encouraging her and leading her and directing her steps as a result of strengthening herself in the spirit. That is our birthright. That is what God wants us to have.
I'm just going to pray. And then we're going to sing. Um, if at any point you want someone to pray for you, just tap someone on the shoulder. It doesn't have to be me. It can be someone else. But I just want to make room for you to receive today if you need to. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that by your blood, you have filled us with your spirit. Lord, by your blood, you have cleansed us. You have made us whole and righteous and perfect. And so we are clean. And that means that your Holy Spirit can move in us and through us and for us and by us. And Lord, one of the gifts that you give, one of many, is the gift of tongues. Lord, it isn't everything, but it is something. And it is something that you intend for our good and for our blessing. And Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who, who has a hunger, who has a desire to move in that gift. Lord, would you, would you unblock people's tongues today? Lord, would you overcome any fear? Would you overcome any doubt? Lord, would you overcome any sense of pressure or compulsion? Lord, if I've put any sense of pressure or compulsion on people today, would you lift it off? Because in the new covenant, there is freedom and grace and power. Lord, I pray that you would meet with us now as we sing your praises. Lord, you know what each of us need in this room right now. Would you lead us through this time now for the rest of this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand and worship the Lord?